Too hot am I for YouTube. Too hot for YouTube. And it, it is my hotness in, in, a, in a sexually attractive sense. That's what I mean by too hot for YouTube. I'm just too sexy, but not in a right said Fred way because they turned out to be total twats. Yeah. Yeah, you're in that category where even if, you know, you technically haven't done anything pornographic, just your existence on screen is like, oh, oh, mm, oh we can't mm. be having that on our family-friendly platform. The, the jugs are so big. The Wazo jugs are so big that they do take up a lot of the screen, no matter how clothed I am. So it might be that my very, my very existence, my very being, my very having the temerity to walk about... Um, no matter what my state of dress may indeed be lewd. How how dare you jugs right? that that, that wazzoly? The the wazification of Stephen Sterling <laughs> has gone too far, and and the fact that they still seem to be getting bigger is a worry at this point, especially with my existing back issues. Here's the the thing for anyone mm. who's never been on HRT as as a trans femme type person is tits have this wonderful way of like you'll think they've stopped growing and they'll you know for a while they'll stay yeah. where they're at and then they'll just start again they just like of their own accord every now and then will go yeah yeah let's have you'll a bit more fine. tits just and a little then bit more one tits. morning you're bounding down the stairs and it's out 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 I'm going down these stairs a bit slower now you know, everything is fine, and then one day you start bouncing oh, boobily down the stairs again. I'm fucking thrilled with it. Couldn't be happier. It's My hair right, has come it? back, like, in... I know I've talked about it before, but, like, the totality... Well, not total, but from where I was, I saw a photo of myself recently with uh, the professional wrestler Mick Foley, and um, not only did I look, like, ten years older, the hair was about ten inches back that way. So yeah, very happy with that, but uh, not so happy with YouTube, for indeed I am too hot for it. They just can't handle you. <laughs> no, one of the best videos I've ever done was uh, One Assumes uh, Mass Reported, because the last time a video of mine was arbitrarily age-restricted, uh, that did seem to be the case. It seems to be when Nintendo fans, the zealous ones, I always try and make that distinction, when the fan babies are ruffled that's their go-to tactic every fan base has its own thing yeah. uh, the sonic fan babies uh they go for um glomming onto something they can misrepresent they did it with me with my frontiers review they did it with donkey uh with his nintendo seems to um like the the zealous ones they just want what it gone They'll DDoS a website. They'll like run crying to YouTube about getting something age restricted. Just anything to quash it. Although, let me just uh, let me just check something in the wake of of my video being restricted. Uh, yep, my Zelda review is still published. Oh, it's still uh, published. It still up yeah, on the site. Yeah, yeah it oh. didn't just like Thanos snap away. Uh, that's the so weird. Still stands. Yeah. Huh. So uh, that's. Fun. It's almost as if there's basically nothing on earth they could do to get no. you to take that review down. It's almost like they're completely impotent. Fuck YouTube. My God. It, 
See, here's here's me being grumbly because like, look, it sucks that a video you made that's really good that you worked really hard on. <laughs> hard on. Yeah, hard on. But also, I was briefly mentioned in that one, and that's, that's me. True. That and that's true. me. I'm in this one. I me. You were. This you affects were me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was fine before, but this affects me now, and this is an outrage. You can take Steph's video down just fine, but not if it's one <laughs> I get acknowledged in. Not when my name's in it. Mind yeah. you, there's a couple of YouTube videos with my name in it that I, I wouldn't miss if they were gone. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, um, the video is still up. Uh, it is age-restricted. I apologise. I know some people think I did it. Uh, but no, um, I don't even say cunt in this one. Um, in terms of, like, in, compared to every other video I've done, there is no reason to do this. Um, it's less profanity-laden than some of them. I can't think of anything I did that was racier or more violent or what have you than any other episode. The closest I can think is at the end of the video where you do make an agreement to go have sex. Yeah, like, I do do that. Uh, but you don't, you don't have the sex on camera. You don't have the sex. It's an illusion, and I've seen plenty yeah. of videos that do. I mean, there's plenty of videos of me talking about tossing off and, like, like bumming Jonathan or yeah. whatever. The other bit is they could be talking about, like, when I mentioned how, like, milky my milkers are. But if they do that, then... You know, but this is why they're not telling me anything. You know, they fucking... Yeah. They, they age-gated it. I appealed. Within 15 minutes, they said they very carefully reviewed my 21-minute video. And it stood. And they gave me no reason. No um, pointers on how, it, how I can avoid it. They linked to their policy page. But that's a bill of goods. That is one of the most useless things on the internet. Telling you what you did wrong would require watching your video and finding something you did wrong. Yeah, it would require that. <laughs> it would require them, like, admitting the real reason, which is probably, like, either stupid or bigoted. And it would probably require some human oversight, which is uh, thin on the ground. Can't be having humans in the process. Yeah. God, no. I got a tweet. I got a reply from uh, Team YouTube, at Team YouTube. And they were all, oh, I'm sorry to hear about your issue. Uh, we can look into it. Can you have a link? And I'm like, lazy fuckers. Like, like just scroll up a bit. But I did show them the link. And then they're like, it might take us a couple days to get back to you. Like, fucking hell. Like, even if you lifted the restriction now after a couple days, like, we all know how YouTube works. Be fucking useless. But anyway, they they said that they confirmed with the policy team that it is not being uh, lifted, and uh, gave no reason again. No reason. They did say, "Let me know like, if you have any questions," and I sent them about five. The chief moment, which being, was it my big mommy milkers? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the the most pertinent question I actually asked them was, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> it's fucking shocking. That, but but I'm I'm kind of excited because you know as an expert in in milk, um, I am gonna milk this for all it's worth. And the next episodes, the next on Monday, we're gonna introduce the Puritan Acquisition, which is gonna be the most family friendly and conversely insulting video I have ever done. Um, and then we'll see we'll see if the uh, the Zelda Zealots can uh, get that one restricted. They probably can, due to oh, how yeah. abusable the system is. But I think I'm going to do it like to the point where it will throw into sharp fucking relief how busted 
their system is if indeed it gets restricted because it is going to be like so above board it is going to be so soft it's going to be so soft that you could put it in an ice cream cone it's going to be so soft that the Binksman will wear it like dungarees it's going to be so soft it's going to be like Jonathan Holmes's tender eyeball when I lick it it's going to be that soft like Andrex oh. Or Charmin, or uh, one of the toilet paper companies that tell you they're soft. There we go. Buff, buff. Hey, it's Podquisition. We're here to talk about video games and stuff. Got got that in before the ten minute mark, just about. Softer than my perfect uh, skin. <laughs> uh, before we jump into like stuff we played and things, I want to promote some shit this week because oh, I've got do, a, yeah. I've got a bunch I've got a bunch of things coming up this week. Uh, the two main ones of which I want to talk about. Uh, first of all. I'm going to be on the telly on Saturday. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be on Jinx TV, which is uh, Sky Channel 425 here in the UK, on Saturday the 3rd of June at 9pm uh, GMT. I'm going to be on a new show called The Games That Made Me, where I have a really lovely hour-long sit-down chat with someone about a handful of video games that changed my life in some way, and that are the games that make me love video games as an art form. It's just an hour of me getting to unabashedly enthuse about the games that feel important to me and that I have, you know, a great deal of love for. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's as I said, it's going to be on Jinx TV on Saturday night at 9pm. Uh, Monday the 5th, it's going to be up on the Jinx TV YouTube channel at 1pm, so if you can't see it live on the telly, it'll be up on YouTube. So that's cool. I recorded that, like, a couple of months ago, and I'm so happy with how it turned out. Uh, really excited for that. But the other one is uh, about a week away from when this goes up on uh, Friday the 9th of June mm. at 4pm UK, 11am Eastern, 8am Pacific. We're doing the Access Ability Shum Summer Showcase. It's going to be 40 minutes of finding out about upcoming video games that look cool, but also we're going to talk about the accessibility settings in them so that if you have accessibility settings you need to be able to play games you'll know up front whether that game is one you're probably going to be able to play. Um, the finished showcase is edited now. Like, I have the finished video on my desktop. I'm just trying to do all the stuff where I've got to get the... Uh, we're going to have British Sign Language, American Sign Language, and audio-described versions of it, uh, which will be going up at the same time. Got to get all that sort of stuff ready. But I am so proud of how this has come together, and I really hope people check it out. This is going to be... The morning after Summer Games Fest has its opening night, so like I'm right in there in the E3 Summer Games Fest, whatever we call it, deluge of Summer Games live streams. Mm -hmm. Please check it out. I've put so much fucking work into this. It's like a week away. I really hope people give it a look because I have wanted to do something like this for a while. We've got like we've got some game code giveaways. We've got uh, like 15 different games being shown off. We've got a bunch of disabled gamers and critics talking about what accessibility means to them. Go, go, go watch that thing. That's, that's going to be next week. It's going to be like the day after next episode comes out. Listeners, you must, you must watch it or I will be so disappointed in you. Right. Right. If you don't watch it, it's it's what forty minutes of your time. If you don't watch it, I'm gonna I'm gonna look sternly at you and be like, mm, mm, "That's disappointing, mate, mate." If you're, real, real ashamed. If mm. you're not careful, she might tap her foot. I might sort of gently tut at you in your oh, direction. Oh, oh god! Oh god! I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. Right. I, I wouldn't want to be. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be under that spotlight. That yeah. bright red spotlight of a bit of a tut. 
Um, there we go. I've done my, my promotey bit, getting that out before oh, everyone well like, runs away at the end when we promote stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's played something this week? Who's been playing stuff? Uh, I think we've all played stuff. Yeah, we've all played yeah. some stuff. Yeah. I think Steph yeah. should probably start uh, because you've only played one thing, Laura. Yeah. And, and and the things I've played are small. I am playing the sort of the new... The hot new thing. Well, not the, the new shitness. Not the new hotness. <laughs> the new shitness. I'll say this. You prevented me having to play a game this week. Do you want to <laughs> tell people about the game I didn't have to play because of you? Yeah. Um, oh, you're all right, my precious. That's my golem impression. Um, <laughs> everyone should have one. Oh. What's what's tears, precious? Oh, hey. um, <laughs> uh, right. So I played the Lord of the Rings Gollum. <laughs> oh God, uh, my review went up. Uh, it's being hailed as a literary masterpiece. Um, in fact, if if you'll permit me the indulgence, because I I'm I'm so proud of the opening paragraph, uh, I would just like to uh, read oh, that. Oh, please. Out. Um. Uh, um Of all the characters in J.R.R. Tolkien's classic Lord of the Rings story, is there anyone fans have wanted to step into the filth-encrusted diaper of more than Gollum? I know when I heard a Gollum game was in the works, I became immediately seized by the possibilities, enticed by the dream of crawling around in my own shit, shoveling worms into my toothless maw, and begging less pathetic creatures, which is all of them, for mercy. Who wouldn't want to be a spiteful, disgusting, tiny little monster that survives almost exclusively as a result of pity. God, if you're up there, I prayed, please let me be able to snivel in the new Gollum game. Please let me be a sniveling little cunny. Um, so that's, that was my opening gambit um, to, to what was, uh, I believe, um, quite a good review. Uh, I gave it, uh, what did I give? I can't even remember what I do these days. I, I posted uh, not yesterday. not a good score. We can score. say that Se- seven out of ten, not... right? Oh well, yeah, the lowest <laughs> score you could ever give a game. Um, Two point five out of oh. ten. Uh, it so is... so what you're saying is is that Tears of the Kingdom is a little less than three times as good as this. Little, just a little less because everything is directly comparable. Yep. Yeah. Um, everything. Uh, it's it's all a competition. Everything uh, is is connected there. Um, I think what's so good about this game, reviewing it so close to Zelda and the accusations that I didn't play enough of it based on the fact that my screenshots had eight hearts. Um, I mean, if your video hadn't been demonetized this week, there was some lovely footage toward the end of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was, uh, I was yeah. Actually, one of the things I was most pleased of was uh, setting a golem montage to Band of Gold. Um <laughs> But but one of the best, like, why it's so good that it came out now is because this is one of those games that you, it reveals everything about itself in the first hour. I mean, it tells you a lot in the, with one glimpse. One of the best bits about reviewing this is the screenshots do the review for me. Like, my writing is just garnish. Um... You know, the, the the most telling one, of course, being the image of Gollum uh, with a set of uh, choices. There are three actions being threatened by an orc. He could give up his bread. He could threaten the orc or he could beg the orc. And in each choice box, 
is an X. The PlayStation X button. Press X to give bread, press X to threaten, press X to bread. To bread? To beg. Um, And they're all on screen at once. Because it'll start with one. It'll have one button prompt on the whatever the first default choice is. If you move to another one, it puts the prompt on and leaves it on the other one. <laughs> so if you fill all these boxes with prompts, the only way to know what you've chosen is to move the stick again until one of them blinks, like just a, a, a momentary animation. And then you, you know you can hit X and get the result you wanted. Uh, and that, oh God, this game. Um, it's fucked. Uh, obviously the, the, the most immediate talking point is Gollum himself, uh, the design for that, which reeks of, um, like the, the, the stunt double superheroes in Marvel's Avengers. The vibe I get off of it is we tried to do the thing that we do when we're trying to make animals seem more like people in animated films where we give them big eyes in the hopes that will make them Mm. seem more humanoid. But in this case, it just makes Gollum far more uncanny. Yeah. You you shouldn't be trying to do the big endearing, like, don't you feel like a loving feeling towards this with a character whose whole thing is I'm a sniveling little mess in the ground. Uh I mean, it's just an uncanny combo. Now that you've you've said that, like looking at looking at him. um, Yeah, like there is this vague cartoonishness. They're trying to make him look like like a littlest pet shop toy of a of a dog, where they make the eyes really big to be like, oh, don't you love it more? Because big eyes, yeah, big eyes. Um, but he does have that because they look almost with the the thick lines on the the irises and everything, like they look distinctly drawn, um, as compared to the I'm not going to say realistic, but the more computer game body ish golem, like the body. Um, it's making me think of of Judge Doom from Roger Rabbit, like that halfway point between tune and person. Um, or as I said in my review, uh, I once took a fuckload of shrooms and interrogated myself with my boglins, and uh, Gollum looks slightly weirder than the shit I saw that night. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Cross between Mowgli from the Jungle Book and a Scarecrow is another one I came up with. <laughs> so yeah, it reminds me of the stunt double superheroes from Marvel's Avengers, where you've got this game dev or any other type of artist working with with a license, and they want to put their own original stamp on it because what they're doing is not based on an existing property. Um, like this Gollum is not based on Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films. So they want to put their own original stamp on it, but they daren't stray too far from the one that's enshrined in pop culture. Hence, this. Plunk some fucking straw on his fucking head. Um, Give him weird hair. It's so weird. And the golem looks strange. Um, One of the most off-putting, like, at a glance, video game protagonists of all time. But... He does look shit enough to fit into the rest of the game, which is itself shit. Uh, Shit orcs, shit textures, shit coloured everything. The visual design fucking wank. Really bad. You've got your gameplay. Oh yeah, we haven't got to that yet. Also, it's got a really shit mouth of Sauron. Like, the mouth of Sauron in the films, 
which was played by the fucking gyro captain from um, Road Warrior, which always tickles me. It's in like the, the deleted scenes. I think it was added to the extended edition. But that like eyeless fellow with the crown and the lips that had rotted away and the black decayed teeth. And I loved the concept for that because apparently like the design of that was supposed to suggest that speaking Sauron's words is so corrupting it's rotting the guy's mouth away. I fucking love that concept. This guy looks like um the the bald elf from Dragon Age Inquisition if he was a Halloween witch. Just fucking embarrassing. Anyway, the gameplay is bad. You've got stealth, which is if a plague tale was made by people who wanted to discredit a plague tale. It's very obviously inspired uh, linear stealth, which I call directed stealth. And again, just to, to pull from the review, I'm a big believer. I'm a big advocate of uh, directed stealth, but I fucking wouldn't have been if this was my first uh, taste of it. If this was my only experience instead of like Plague Tale or the Mary Jane sections in Spider-Man. You don't enjoy a game where there is zero warning to tell you that the thing has like, oh, oh, it's seen you. Maybe get back in the shadows. The second it sees you, it's just like, nope, you were seen dead. They do, they do have elements of that. There are moments where yeah. it takes a little time, but the time is so fucking brief. I've seen a few where it's like literally you turn a corner and it's just there's no like fade down. It's just game over screen yeah. instantly. It's... Well, there's there's a random element to it. Like so much of this game is is random um, because it's so cobbled together. There's no tightness to the uh, mechanics to the systems at play. So it's a fucking it's a free for all. It's a wild west of results. Um, so yeah, the stealth for the most part is just boring. You're just scurrying under tables, uh, sitting in dark shadows, throwing a stone at a metal thing. The orcs are so video game enemy TM. I often find it's too hyperbolic to compare a modern game to like past console generation games. Like this, I think, well, I do think it's actually fair when people say it looks like a remastered PS2 game. Um, but by modern standards, it's keeping its head just above 360. But in terms of, of stealth mechanics, Metal Gear Solid, the first one, is more refined than this. The Orc patrols are so robotic that you literally have moments where you've got an Orc walking like five feet one way, looking at a blank wall, five feet the other way, staring at a wall. Like, they are just going backwards and forwards on such short linear paths that you can't help but know you're playing a video game if 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 that makes sense mm, i think that makes total sense there's no immersion because they're behaving like ai following a script a really rudimentary one um it's fucking embarrassing uh, then there's the climbing the platforming oh my fucking god Glitchy, obviously, um, you know, goes without saying. The biggest problem is just how extremely Gollum is tailored to the environment rather than the environment tailored to Gollum. A good game, like, compare it to, like, Uncharted, Horizon, whatever. A decent game that does this kind of climby platforming will have an element of, of, like, snap, where a character might be, like, half a foot away from a ledge but they fudge it a little you know 
They just magnetise yeah. to it a little. For the most part, they don't even do that because the game's well made enough that the things you can grab are within the character's uh, established abilities. Not here. Gollum is tailored to the environment. So there are ledges that look way too far away. But they are the one you're... It is the ledge you're meant to grab. And Gollum will magnetise several feet to, like, such an extreme degree. When he's not snapping, his jumping is so unwieldy. If you do a sprint jump, you can catapult so fucking far that it's very common to overshoot and just launch yourself hilariously into a chasm past where you were meant to land. But sometimes he doesn't do that. Sometimes there is a bespoke jumping angle that he has just for this one bit that's a bit shorter than his jump. So as a result of this, after hours and hours of playing, I had no comprehensive feel for how Gollum actually navigates. Because it's random. After hours, I'm looking at a, a, a gap thinking, is this too far? Is he going to fall like a fucking pillock? Or is he going to essentially blink, warp to the ledge? You don't know until you try. And when you try, you're treated to some delightful game overs. The game overs are, are where the unfinished nature of the game is so apparent. There's no uniform way Gollum falls if he falls to his death. He'll either ragdoll... He'll, his body will freeze, he'll hit something, he'll fall forever like Wile E. Coyote, he'll land as if he's landed on a solid surface in the middle of the air. Could be anything. There might be a sound effect. If you're lucky, there'll be a sound effect. It's probably random. He might land on wood with a metallic bonk. No such uh, sound effects can be found if an orc catches Gollum, where they will silently pick him up by the neck punch him in the back of the head with no sound effect and at least uh, half a foot distance between their fist and Gollum. Uh, Gollum doesn't make a noise and there'll be like a voice line from an orc, which might be as simple as, ah! It's so understated um, and clearly missing. Like, it just feels like it's missing sound effects. Uh, and so much of the game is missing stuff. NPCs do not respond to anything Gollum does. The physics are fucked. Glitches out the wazoo. Oddly enough, when Gollum's just walking or sprinting, he actually feels quite good to control. They did sort of nail that by giving his limbs sort of an odd sense of, of very light independence. So he just feels gankly and animalistic. All goes to shit when he starts jumping and climbing and getting stuck on the wall. The one thing they did that was a genuinely brilliant idea, it was so good, I laughed out loud when I saw it. Because it was in the first hour, but the game had already like shown me how fucking garbage it was. That by the time I saw something where they actually tried to do something good, it, it sent me. It was too much. Um, but because this game was, was made with a, a 2000s mentality... There's a moral choice system. You do the good thing, you do the bad thing. But here's where it's clever. The pause was deliberate. 
They're not good or bad choices. They are Gollum or Smeagol choices, you see. Oh, you see? I see, I see, I see. Now, because one of them's good and one's one bad, of them's, I one see. One of them's good, one of them's a dirty little worm eater. Now, that on its own is like, eh, that's cute. However, just making the decision is not enough. The one you sided with has to argue with the other one. That is brilliant. Genuinely, no sarcasm. That is a brilliant idea. Their execution is complete shit. But the idea, you get this choice. You can choose to act as Gollum or Schmeagol. And then you have to win an argument with the other personality. Well, this is is actually almost... Entirely lifted from a white wolf role playing game called Wraith the Oblivion. Ooh. I've never played Wraith myself, but, but yeah. every character in Wraith has a shadow who mm-hmm. is generally played by another player in the group. And you are constantly oh, having cool. to negotiate with your shadow. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That could well be that. I mean, I'm not accusing them of taking that, but it is, a, it is a great mechanic idea. Yeah, the game's derivative enough that it could be. Um, but I could also see how, how a developer would naturally arrive right. at the idea. Yeah. Now, one can easily imagine that in their heads, when they were planning this, it was going to be something good. It was going to be like L.A. Noir or something, you know? Like where you're feeling out the character, trying to sort of win them over. And there is a bit of a clue in the very first one where it might be a very rudimentary version of that because I lost the first dialogue option and Schmeagel was talking because obviously I went Gollum because we know how the story goes. (laughs) Um, And his tummy rumbled a bit while he was talking and then the next uh, chance I had mentioned food and that was right. And I'm like, okay, that's very simple, but never to my knowledge, doesn't happen again. It just is a glorified guessing game beyond that point. One that's really easy because I've seen a two out of five argument, but it's almost always two out of three. And you get an automatic success just by making a decision. So you've only got to win once. You've only got to get one one thing right from what is usually a binary choice. Just you got two options. I like them odds. Yeah, you got a 50-50 shot of winning. And even then, just like knowing the characters, you got a better shot just by understanding the characters and whatever's sort of happened up to that point. But my God, what a good idea. What a good idea. Shame that it's wasted on this. Yeah, wasted is the word. It's just a shame. It's the one thing you've told me about this game where I go, I can see how someone sat down in a meeting and went, that's a genuinely good idea that justifies making a game. Like, that's the one thing where I'm like, I, I can see how you looked at that and thought, yeah, that's that's a game. Yeah. You know, when the game was announced, a lot of people were like, how's that going to work? Gollum's shit. Not a shit character, but like, within the universe, Gollum is shit. And again, there's this shadow, this very, very faint, pale shadow of... Wraith reference of what the game could have been. And they kind of, they were on the right track. A Gollum game works with a lot of scurrying about and hiding, but the execution is so wrong. 
Half the game takes place in a shitty Mordor prison doing shitty, boring Mordor things. Like, that's the biggest crime of the game, is as much fun as everyone's having dumping on it and, and it being sort of the gaming community's laughing stock of the week, so much of it is just boring. There's one bit where you're riding in a prison cart in silence on your own and it's a minute long and there's no need for it. It's just a minute long. You're just in there doing fuck all. There's a lot of moments like that where you're just doing fuck all. And then when you get to the climbing, it's boring. And when you do the stealth, it's boring. And it's interspersed with just occasional bits of hilarity that make for a great compilation. But as part of the overall experience, it's there's nothing to write home about at all. They had an opportunity here. They had an idea that people thought was shit. But their initial idea was actually good and it could have shut people up. They could have shut people up with this and been like, we took Gollum and we made a fucking good game. Suck on this dick. That's what that's what they were in a position to do. And they clearly had some idea of how to do it. But at some point, it fell the fuck apart to the point where it's so bad that as taboo as it is to call a game developer lazy... If I were working on this, I'd rather they think I was lazy than think I put effort into it. I'd be embarrassed to not be called lazy over this game. It's a shame. I did talk for a lot. I was not going to talk that long. I apologize no. for, for running no. it. Um, no, you've, you've, you've got the thing that there are the most words to say about this week. Yeah. Yeah. Hell of a... Hell of an experience. I feel it, it's like some of those other really bad games I've played where it's a privilege to have experienced it uh, <laughs> just as a matter of historical record. I was there, I can say. You were <sighs> there. I was there. So I got a copy of Demon Throttle. Uh, this was sent to me as a housewarming Ooh. present when I moved back in March, but I took mm-hmm. two months to find my Switch. So I hadn't gotten around <laughs> to playing it. This is uh, this was published by Devolver. Uh, we talked about it a while back because I was annoyed that they were only doing it in a physical release. Mm, yes. They, and they, you know, it's still for sale. Like, you can buy it on Amazon. They have, like, a general retail release. It's not like it's super exclusive or anything. Yeah. It's just only available in a physical format. And I still am not wild about that just as an idea neither neither am i but but the game's developed by doink soft they did gato roboto gato roboto i think is how you pronounce it doesn't matter okay. you're a cat yeah. in a robot it's great oh, you're a cat in a mech suit it's fantastic yep. it's absolutely delightful they do these very you know retro 8-bit type games and Demon Throttle is another one of these it's a vertically scrolling shooter you play two characters, a gunslinger and a vampire, uh, vampirus, mm-hmm. vampirus, vampirus. Sure, let's go there. And you are both chasing down a demon for your own reasons. Uh, the vampires had their chalices stolen from them, and the gunslinger's wife was kissed by the demon. Yeah. Where the demon kissed her might be open to debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. 
uh, kind of charming yeah. and short. Uh, it's only got four stages, yeah. but it's very bullet helly. So there's, uh, you know, mm. it's not like it's easy. And um, it's designed for co-op. Uh, it's intended to be played primarily, I think, with the second person. And each of the two characters plays a little bit differently. The gunslinger fires directly vertically and gets like five or six shots in a burst. And the vampirus fires in a more of a spread design uh, with two shots initially. And, um, oh, and they each have different like bomb abilities. The gunslinger tosses out a bundle of dynamite and the vampirus releases uh, seeking missiles that repeatedly hit the enemies several times. So there's a, you know, different approaches that are useful for both. And it's this vertically scrolling shooter where there's a fair number of enemies, but the the, the approaches aren't generally that tough. Um, it's the bosses that are the actual threats. But as as you're moving along, the, you have a jump uh, ability to dodge bullets. And there's also some verticality to the levels. There's layers that uh, of of ground, and you can shoot it, and that's where your power-ups are generally hidden. But you could also just jump over things, and you have to sort of navigate. You can get boxed into some uh, places where I think I think if you get pulled off the screen, it respawns you with damage. But I I, I haven't had it actually happen uh, yet. I believe so. A little bit of damage, but yes. Yeah, and and the power ups. Um, in addition to getting more bomb quantity for use and health restoration, each of the characters has their own stats that are tracked separately uh, for movement speed and, um, I think, rate of fire and luck, which might increase critical hit chance, but definitely gives you the possibility of just not taking damage for taking a hit, which is mm -hmm. really, really good. It's just a simple scrolling shooter that plays really well has very charming art has some really good music it, it has all of the feel of an nes vertical shooter but definitely has a bit of more modern considerations there are secret levels in each of the stages that you have to find yeah. staircases into and if you, you know, can find all four of these, each of them has a chalice at the end of it. And if you beat the boss at the end of the game with all the chalices, that's how you get the true ending. It's one of those sorts of deals. Mm. It, it seems like there's a fair bit to unlock in it just because I've managed to finish it the bad ending route. Um, and and it, it, like I say, it's challenging, but it's not super hard if you have played a bunch of these types of games i think i finished it on my fourth or fifth attempt it's fair considerably better than me but i i i see i i get what you mean about it. it's it's yeah i mean if, if you are good at enter the gungeon you can handle demon throttle not a yeah. problem i'm trying to find time to play it with linda even though i don't think she'll like it just so that I can have the experience of actually playing it with another person. Because in single player, you get still get both characters and you can switch between them. And if you are skilled enough, it, it's pretty easy. But, you know, having the two characters, I don't know how I'll do. Because sometimes I'll just die and survive with one a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, it's a good game. 
I like it. I don't like it that it's physical only still, but it is fun. And I think it's only like 20 bucks uh, to get like the retail yeah. release. So that it's not outrageously priced. Fun game, pretty good sound, worth playing. You could probably find a ROM of it somewhere. I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. But that's Demon Throttle. I like it. I like Doink yeah. Soft. I will play more games of theirs. Ah. Yeah. Um, the only thing I've really got to talk about this week is I've not been playing a lot because I've been working on getting stuff for the showcase ready, but I've been playing, I've been continuing to play Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I've done basically every side adventure in that game. I've completed the main story. I have found like half of the side quests and I am going around trying to find absolutely every single cave in the game so that I can get my little trash goblin all of his little gems he needs to eat. Um, but the thing I've been playing around with a bit is the uh, is speedrunning uh, the game, which I'm gonna be vague about some of the details of the speedrun because obviously it's trying to get to the end of the game as quickly as possible, and that would require talking about the end of the game, and I'm gonna sort of gloss over some of those aspects. But I think we're far enough out from this game to say that, yeah, much like Breath of the Wild, uh, Breath of the Wild like told you here is where the final boss is, here's a flashing marker, go. Tears of the Kingdom, if you know what you're doing, as soon as you get off that first big starting area, you can just run straight for the final boss if that's what you want to do. Uh, so speedruns for that game have been interesting. Basically, you do all of the, the the shrines on that starting island as quickly as you can, which the quickest way to do it is not to do it in the order the game's trying to shepherd you to do it. Um, you make some cold-resistant food and go straight for that uh, Ascend Shrine up in the cold area first. Uh, because it's near that vending machine you can get the glide, the sort of glider birds from. And then you can just glide from there straight backwards to the fuse shrine, glide straight from that back to the, uh, the ultra hand you were meant to get first. Uh, you can sort of do them in the reverse order pretty quickly. Um, several of those shrines on the starting island you can completely break by fusing a, one of those bird gliders to your shield. Uh, to be able to jump slightly further and slightly higher than usual if you do a shield jump, and that can break some of those early shrines. And then the deal for how you how you speedrun this game right now in the like any percent category is basically there are some very easy to do duplication glitches if you have version one point one of the game, uh, which you can basically use to fly to somewhere that has fairies that will bring back your health if you if you die. Stand there duplicating them for a minute so you've got a pocket full of fairies, so the fact that you have basically no health is fine. You don't bother getting the paraglider. If you're going to have to fall down something that you'd need to paraglide to go down safely, you just throw yourself down the thing violently and let a fairy fix you when you land. Uh, and then you go and try and just fight the end of the game while a pocket full of fairies is the only thing keeping you alive. Um, there's a little bit more to it. Uh, you, For a weapon, you basically go find a diamond, stick it on the end of a stick, and do a glitch to make it so that the game thinks you're holding, like, 15 of that diamond on a stick in your okay. hand at the same time, so that you are doing considerably more damage than you're supposed to do. And then you just run up and try and stab everything you would need to to get to the end. I am nowhere near this good, but I've seen that like speedruns for that game are down to under an hour now. Oh my like, gosh. The, today, today, the first 59 minute 
I think it's 59 minute, 20 seconds speed run for that game was done. And they said I didn't put enough time in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you look at those speed runs, they're How finishing the game with three hearts. <laughs> yeah, three, no, four, four hearts. I think you are forced to get four hearts to finish oh, the game. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's honestly been like really fun watching that sort of community springing around and just like jumping into it early enough to be like, yeah, I could play around with this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be fastest in the world, but I could sit down for two hours and finish the game and go, yeah, I did that. I just about followed along. Also, Nintendo has tried to patch out some of the uh, like duplication glitches that people have found in the game. And I find it hilarious because it's like playing fucking whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. Nintendo banned a bunch of the duplication glitches, and in less than 24 hours, three new duplication glitches had been found. <laughs> like, I, I'm genuinely impressed at how how quickly the community for this game is going, oh, you're not going to let me do the thing where I shield, jump, and drop my items and press B and Y? Cool. I'll throw the item and watch a memory and reload my save, and that doubles my weapon. Like... People are breaking this game in beautiful ways, and it's really fun to watch. So yeah, that's me continuing to play Tears of the Kingdom when I get a chance. That's uh, been my yeah. I, it's the only thing I've really like spent any time playing this week, and and even still, I haven't had more than a couple of hours here and there to pop into it. I found the uh, the Wind Temple, so oh, good yeah. for me. Um, I did it before I met the Rito character that apparently has to accompany you to do that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that was fun getting in. The game sure does let you go places that you can't, that you're not supposed to be doing yet. It sure do. And it it, it wasn't even like hard. I I, I think uh, Linda expressed some surprise that I was able to reach the temple entrance without um, having that secondary character's assistance. But it was pretty straightforward. Like, they didn't make a whole lot of effort to stop me from spending an hour jumping yeah. around in a place to get to a place. I mean, they, they, I, I like, I honestly really like the balance they have of look, if you do the intended thing, it's going to be easier and you're going to have a smoother time. Oh, sure. But if you, yeah, but they do let you just go like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, but they also, like, didn't signpost in any way <laughs> that. It was like, this is very clearly a direction you're supposed to be going. Okay, I'll go this way. Oh, not yet. Oh, you motherfuckers. I mean, look, there are some areas that are like that, and there are some areas like, and I'm going to try and talk about this vaguely, one that Jane found where, like, I'll say the start of this, there is an area up in the sky that is in a big storm cloud where it's like, oh, you can't see what you're doing, come back later. Right. Jane just flew in completely at random and picked a place to land, and happened to be at the exactly the right place in there to be like, oh, there's an exit. Oh, that led to a major plot point. Oh, I didn't know I was meant to be doing this. Like, completely avoided, like, three quest chains and just, like, flew blindly into the cloud and was like, oh, yeah, there we go. We'll do this now. Like, I respect that the game will will let that happen sometimes. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it, and it's... It's fine that it does. Like, I'm into that part of it. That, that's neat. It's more the... Uh, when it gatekeeps me unnecessarily. 
right? Yeah. If if it's going to do that, it should let you go, fuck it, I'm going to go do the temple without that character entirely. Yeah, Don't or, send me away. I'm t- or tell me <laughs> in some way that yeah. I need something else to get in. Like, you don't even have to be specific about it, but I could have wandered around there for an hour and a half had I not been doing it on stream, wondering what the fuck I'm supposed to do. There are definitely ways they could have they could have done that. Like, I have never spent so much time willingly having an experience that so frequently frustrates and annoys me. All they needed to do was have one gap that was physically impossible to cross without the thing. Right? Granted, (laughs) there are so many tools and things. I don't know that they could have done that. Like, I don't know that that's possible, that I wouldn't look at that and say, all right, I'm going to use these materials that you've showed me I could use to cross seemingly uncrossable gaps to cross it. But, you know, it would have been nice. Just put up a sign. <laughs> you know? Uh, but, but, yeah. yeah. It's, a good, it's, a, it's a very, very good game that, that just makes the things that are frustrating feel so much more frustrating <laughs> because of how good the game is. That's fair. Uh, Steph, what else you played this week? You played one other thing. I did play another thing. Um... I'm not sure exactly what compelled me to go back. Um, I know I didn't play very much of it when it came out because the it's an always online fucking game that doesn't have to be, and they couldn't keep the servers up, and I couldn't, I could barely play it. It's on Game Pass, and I thought, fuck it, I'll download Outriders, the Square Enix published uh, live service, which on that note could have been titled Live Service Colon the live service it is <laughs> such a live service live service it live services harder than any live service as live serviced it so desperately wants to be destiny with a little bit of division on the side generic as all hell the kind of thing that in lieu of something else which i didn't know the system shock remake was out so i have something else now but in lieu of something else having just like done golem and, and they're not looking like there was much to review it was something to do in my downtime that's the game it's something to do you run around you do shooting you get more powerful it's as straightforward as that really generic like like a lot of these like like looter shooters forgot what made borderlands a success because i remember borderlands when it didn't look like Borderlands. Yep. When it looked like Anthem. Mm-hmm. Like fucking um, The Division. Like uh, Outriders. So generic, I forgot the name of the game I was talking about. I remember. I, I, re- I remember reading about it in Game Informer and it sounded interesting. Looked boring. And then one day, which I also remember, clear as day, waking up one morning and there it was the cel-shaded look that has become iconic to the series. And everyone pay- everyone woke up and paid attention. Mm-hmm. It went from no one gives a fuck to what the fuck is that? I actually quite literally woke up and paid attention because I was in a reveal <laughs> like uh, meeting at E3 <laughs> and fell asleep. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They should not make those theater rooms so dark. That's all I'm saying. No, they should not. God, E3 is worth sleeping through, though. Mm-hmm. Used to be. <laughs> they used to put me on all the boring jobs. I didn't need to see a fucking sniper game, Sniper 3. 
Well, they would just take every meeting. That was the, the thing. Well, yeah. Where was I? Right, yes. Uh, a lot of these live, live, like, looter shooters all look the same. To, and, and not just... I'm not being hyperbolic. They all look the same. Same types of environments, same weapons, same outfits. Just the same. None of them stand out. None of them did what Borderlands did. And Borderlands was like the 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 structural example a lot of these games follow. And none of them have mm-hmm. realized. None of them have realized. It's it's maddening. But yeah, it it's it is super generic. It does have a couple little things going for it. I've been skipping through the story. I do not care. I try and pay attention to the stories in even the most sort of ditch water games but i cannot be fucked but it does have a couple things i'm playing the technomancer there's a couple classes and i like their skills they got some nice skills they got a turret that's cool enough they've got it sounds like it's ripped straight out of uh, Warhammer 40k, a pain launcher, which is like this rapid fire mortar strike that like starts near you and then just travels upwards in a sh- in a straight line, just hurling missiles. It's just very satisfying to use. So it's got some nice skills. The other thing I like is the healing mechanic. Uh, there is no dedicated heal. Uh, there's There's none of that. Every class has an offensive method of healing whether it's like killing enemies or dealing damage, like the Technomancer gets a portion of the damage they deal back as health, just to encourage you to keep fighting. And I like that. Just the fact there is no other heal unless you've got some innate ability tied to a weapon, like a specific weapon that will just get replaced later anyway. It's interesting, and it keeps you fighting. I don't like that it's so much of it is clearly based around being a cover shooter, and half the enemies are designed to just bum rush you, like in the first Mass Effect. That's fucking annoying. But so long as you're, like, dishing out damage and, and hurling out the skills appropriately. Um, well, the Technomancer does have one of their skills that's a heal, but um, there's no healing items. Anyway, it's got the little sliver, tiny little vein of originality uh, among all of the brown, grey, craggy rock. Yeah, I, I will probably play a bit more of it, but I do not anticipate completing the campaign or anything before i get bored also i can't get into an online game obviously there aren't that many games going these days but one i got kicked out of as soon as i appeared and the other one i just got booted to the uh main screen because it couldn't stay connected which is about the experience i remember so yeah that's outriders it's there Comrade, you played one other thing this week i did i played michael jackson's moonwalker Oh. Yeah, well, I, SGDQ is going on this week. And uh-huh. and uh, the Genesis version of that game was run during it. And Linda and I watched that. And I was like, this is good, but the arcade version is so much better. Is what I said to myself and to Linda. And then we played it. And yes... It is. I mean, they're pretty different. The Sega Genesis one is much more of a platformer, and the arcade version resembles a beat-em-up, though most enemies are just, like, one hit, and they're gone. You control Michael. It's it's 
based on the Moonwalker short film where he saves children from an evil Joe Pesci. Which I love. I love that it's Joe Pesci. As... Also a bit hypocritical. Well, that that's the thing. It's uh Um On reflection, looking back, Michael Jackson rescuing those children. Yeah. Not uh More like Michael Projection. A little bit. Little bit. Um it's fine. I just like that you can collect bubbles and turn into the robot. That's like the best mm-hmm. part. I remember that. I played a little bit of that many, many years ago. It's not anything. It's it's very short. You you know, like many arcade games, it can be completed in under 30 minutes. It only has five stages. And even in the context of an arcade game, it's not that quarter munchy. Like, you could get 40% of the way through it, probably, on a single credit if you're just moderately good at video games. Um, especially if you have two people doing it. Um, which I guess means two credits, but still. I like the MIDI arrangements of all of the music, but I am annoyed that the US version didn't have Thriller in the graveyard level. Like, what are we fucking doing? Why are we here? Hmm. Why are we playing another part of me instead of Thriller? (laughs) It's a strange pick for the graveyard stage, but fine. Going for them deep cuts. I guess so. But it's, yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right as an arcade game goes. I, that music, oh, god damn it. I hate that Michael Jackson's music is so good. I'm just glad that I still have Prince. Like, I'll always have Prince. Ain't no one taking Prince. No one's taking Prince from me. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's all I played. Oh, well, we got a we got a couple of quick things to talk about uh, before we wrap up this week. One of these is just a recommendation of a thing that, like, we talked about this news briefly when it originally broke uh, on the podcast. We talked about the messy, messy situation going on with Disco Elysium. Uh, the short version at the time was uh, some of the lead writers on Disco Elysium were like, "Hey, we've had the company stolen from us and been fired." without cause and this is a big theft of the thing we've created by evil corporate overlords uh versus then getting thrown back no you were fired for being abusive in the workplace and we definitely didn't steal the ip or do anything shady um i want to point people to people make games have made a fantastic two and a half hour long documentary going really in depth on the whole situation it's really good Like, they really did a number on it. They start with going and sitting in on legal proceedings in Estonia and then end up interviewing basically every major player and then a lot of minor players in the piece. And I think they do a good job of asking hard questions and acknowledging when people are clearly doing dodging answers or are not providing satisfactory answers to those questions. While also acknowledging, like, where they struggled to get answers out of them and painting what I can best describe as a picture of, like, no one comes out of this looking good. No, I would agree. Yeah. Like, there is a question to be made of who did a shitty thing first. It's not a question of who's in the wrong. It's who fired the first wrong shot is is the closest there is to finding a winner or a loser here. And... Well, and, and I think it's it's more everyone here has fucked yep. up. 
it's a question of which fuck-ups are legally actionable. And who's going to be the first person to find a paper trail that proves what they're saying? Because right now the problem is none of the accusations on either side have much of a paper trail. Let's play a game of who's in trouble. It's one of the best games. Yeah, so if you you want a much more in-depth view than I think anyone else has done of that situation... Go check out People Make Games Disco Elysium uh, documentary. It is fucking fantastic. Um, Yep, very, very good. Uh, Other than that, uh, unsurprisingly, we sort of knew this was going to be coming. Uh, Microsoft is appealing the UK's uh, CMA's decision to block them acquiring Activision Blizzard King. Uh, The appeal is basically going to be heard in late July, so in late July we will know, know how that goes over the matter of six to ten days um we do know a bit about what microsoft is going to be arguing um in in vague broad strokes terms uh none of it is particularly surprising um they're basically going to try and argue the cma made fundamental errors when they assessed microsoft's current position in cloud gaming services um they're going to argue that, you know, oh, you didn't take into account enough that, that we're not the top dog in, in native gaming, so you should give us some room to be more in control of cloud gaming, you see, that's fair. They're going to claim that the CMA didn't take proper account of the long-term commitments to cloud gaming services. Basically, they're going to point at all of those deals they made with, like, cloud gaming provider that you've never heard of before and go... But we did that, so we're not being a monopoly. It's going to uh, argue that the idea that they would uh, withhold Activision Blizzard King games from other stream, you know, online streaming game services as a result of this, they're like, oh no, that's that's an irrational idea. Uh, that's that's so unfair to think we would monopolize these things ever. Lastly, they're going to argue that the CMA's findings that Microsoft would have the ability and incentive to foreclose other rival cloud gaming services by withholding Activision Blizzard's gaming content. That's just a fucking lie. There is clearly an ability and an incentive for them to eventually go, no, we're not going to give you access to Activision Blizzard games in order to make it harder for you to be a competitor. Trying to argue they don't have the ability and incentive to eventually do that is a fun argument to make. <laughs> yeah, this has been part and parcel of their whole thing, which is yeah. Scout's Honor, a company that has, has proven to do the things that it's saying it definitely won't do. Yeah. That's... Oh my God, Six Days in Fallujah's coming out next month. Oh, Sorry. I, I was one. No, yeah, literally as we were recording, I got an email about that. Yeah. And I was like, do I mention that that's happening? Yeah, I just saw uh, it out the periphery of my eye and was like, yeah. oh, oh so, my word. I'm going to tell you two quick facts about Six Days in Fallujah that I oh, did yes, not know is. before reading that email. Uh, it's going to be an early access title, yep. uh, and all of the levels are procedurally generated. Oh, just like so the real Fallujah. Yeah, because unlike Six Days in Fallujah, where there were a set number of missions that happened over six days, this will use procedurally generated missions... Um, you know, they say it's to recreate the uncertainty of combat, along with unlimited replayability. That's what you want. <laughs> which is definitely what the people who battled in Fallujah would have wanted, was 
unlimited replayability oh, yeah, of those absolutely. six days. They want to relive those lovely memories while playing Thank You for the Days. Like, that's what they want. Yeah, yeah. Hell. We'll see. That yeah. game is sure going to be a thing when it comes out, and we will see yeah. how that goes. A couple of other quick things. Um... The EU's regulatory agency did uh, sort of go, hey, we we did see that the, the CMA in the UK blocked the Activision Blizzard King acquisition. Uh, we, we've let it through. We should probably talk about why we said yes to let it happen. Um, and their answer basically boils down, and I'm skimming a lot of a very lengthy explainer, um... Uh, we don't think it's our choice to, you know, our place to to actively, you know, uh, you know, make a binary decision about whether a thing can or can't happen. But, um, you know, Microsoft and Activision's market shares in Europe are kind are, are fairly low, relatively. You know, when you look at shooter games, you know, they they've got a market share of maybe twenty percent but sony sells like four times as many playstations than xbox sells xboxes in europe so like we don't think it's a problem for them to to monopolize anything because like playstation sells better right now in in europe so like it's fine it's fine I do like some of the quotes from the person who's making this decision about whether the acquisition should go through. Uh, there's a man named Vestager, who I'm going to read a quote from him that really gives me confidence that he knows what he's talking about, about where, like the industry he's regulating here. I am told Call of Duty is a very popular shooter franchise, but we found that Microsoft would probably not shoot itself in the foot by stopping sales of Call of Duty games to the much larger PlayStation player base. Our colleagues agreed with us and ultimately reached the same conclusion. If you have to be told that Call of Duty is apparently a very popular shooter, like, yeah, that's, that, hmm, doesn't give me confidence that you know a lot about the industry you're making these decisions on. Have you all heard of this Halo? What's that about? Yeah, I've heard it's a pretty popular shooter yeah. series. Yeah, I uh, watched our kid play it on the uh, PlayStation. Yeah. It's basically boiled down to... Well, why would they stop selling on PlayStation? There's lots of PlayStations. And also, I hear it's popular. Oh, God. And there are lots of PlayStations in Europe. Well, there you go. So let them have their monopoly. So that's basically why they've allowed that to go the way they have. Um, there was a Last of Us multiplayer game in development, and if it's happening, it ain't happening anytime soon anymore. There have been some reports that basically uh, Sony got some of the team from Bungie in to go, hey, you do big, popular online shooty games. Come have a look at what we're making with this Last of Us online multiplayer game. And according to Jason Schreier, the staff from Bungie came over and looked at it and went, yeah, people aren't going to play that for more than like a week or two and drop off it. It ain't good. That seems like it is in development limbo now. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we got the announcement of the PlayStation handheld, the Project Q. Are either of you aware of the Project Q? I've heard of it. Uh, yeah, I think I've heard like about a handheld. Yeah. As someone who loved Sony's, like, like the other PlayStation handhelds, I am interested, but already disheartened because I've seen how this went before. Twice. So... This is not a new handheld console in the vein oh, okay. of the Vita or the, the PSP or whatever. I'll go back to sleep then. Yeah, so what this is, is essentially, what if you took the Wii U screen and you put half of a DualSense controller on either side of it, uh -huh. and all it was designed to do 
was to stream your PS5 games onto a handheld screen if the TV's in use. Oh, who fucking cares? But not like the Wii U, where it directly connects to the console, and, like, if you were in a decent range of it, like, it did do pretty good quality, you know, video and, yeah, like, low latency. Nice. Yeah, like, if it was that, if it directly connected to the PS5, I'd be like, yeah, probably. But no, it's connecting to your home Wi-Fi network. This is basically the same as when you use your phone with uh, clipped onto a controller with a little grip to to play your, your PlayStation games yeah. on your phone or whatever. A thing that you can probably already do without buying this device on a screen you already own. Yeah. God, that is shit. That's, like, really shit. And, like, look, as someone that loved the Wii U, like, if you offered me a version of this where it wasn't connecting to my home Wi-Fi and it directly connected to the PlayStation and could guarantee me, like, a greater degree of quality and low latency because it's not using my home Wi-Fi, I'm the kind of sucker that would probably buy this. This is a thing that fits into how I like to play games. But I can just put my phone and the PlayStation app and do the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, so that's that's the news this week. Well, uh, hang on. I'm going to Columbo you. Ooh. Oh, sorry. Yes. I did the thing again where you put a story in, but you put it in before I put the, my games I've played in and therefore I forget it exists. Yes. I'm going to... One more thing. Yeah. Um, so back in March... The makers of the Dolphin emulator, which emulates um, GameCube, Wii, Wii U, they were going to launch on Steam, which is uh, a bold move for an emulator. I mean, I I agree that it's a bold move. I will note they're not the first emulator to list themselves no, on Steam. No, they're not, but they are the biggest Nintendo emulator. And we all know that Nintendo got a Nintendo. And so yes. they, uh, and and Dolphin's been around forever. Like it's 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 a, a yeah. old yeah. Oh, yeah. emulator. If the DMCA was a practical means of actually removing the Dolphin emulator from the internet, it would have been done by now. Oh right? yeah, no, it is it is never going no. away. But the last thing they want is if they can't get rid of it, is for more people to know it exists. And having mm. it on the Steam marketplace will definitely increase visibility of the emulator. This is me theorizing yes. as to why a company would choose to do this. I feel pretty confident, but they have issued a DMCA to Valve asking that the uh, content be removed, which Valve has cooperated with pending the outcome of the dispute. The developers of Dolphin are considering their options where this is concerned. And I would encourage them to consider that carefully because yeah. um, there's as much as I would love to see Nintendo get dunked on in a court of law. There's also a very serious possibility that this could just go the other way. Yes, you do not want to create a precedent in a situation where the precedent could go against yes. you. Yes, and, and, you know, there is, there have been some pretty solidly argued legal decisions that make emulators legal as it stands now. But courts in the U.S. have changed a lot since those decisions happened. Yeah, and here's what I will say about Dolphin specifically. Dolphin is one of the few emulators out there where you can just pick that emulator up and 
plug a game into it and it just works. A lot of other emulators uh, will require you to somewhere not that that isn't the emulator download itself go access keys that will tell it how to operate in a way that will run retail right. or get a BIOS that was designed for that hardware to read. Well, that's yeah. it. It's uh, prod keys for the Switch. It's the BIOS files for PlayStation emulators. Dolphin doesn't do this. And that is a situation that they don't want to draw attention to, that they ship theirs in a state where it will play retail code when you download it. Well, they wouldn't want people to see how fun and easy it is to do emulation on Nintendo's products. And let's just um, like like emphasize, it is fun. It is fun. Yeah. It is easy. It is yeah. easy. And it's morally okay. Always. Oh yeah. Also, I I will note that uh, if you have a Steam Deck, you don't need to download, uh, you know, Dolphin off no. Steam. Mu Deck is a fucking amazing uh, website. Yep. Fucking does everything for you. It's fucking great. So yeah, if I were Dolphin, I might just sit back in the cut on this, and you know, maybe acknowledge, okay, we can't get it onto Steam. Not worth the risk. That's me. But we'll see what they do. Um, interesting. Interesting turn of events. Yep. 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 All right. That's it. That's it for news. All right. That's it. We did it. We did it. Laura, you intimated that you'd done plenty of things uh, at the beginning of the show, but maybe you'd like to remind people. I'm glad I can remind you. Uh, On Saturday night this week, uh, Saturday the 3rd of June at 9pm UK, uh, I am going to be on the first episode of The Games That Made Me over on Jinx TV. That's on Sky Channel 425. It'll be up on the Jinx TV uh, YouTube channel on Monday the 5th at 1pm. And then next week, Friday the 9th of June at 4pm UK, 11am Eastern, 8am Pacific. Tune in for the Access Ability Summer Showcase. It's going to be 40 minutes of really cool looking games that will tell you the accessibility stuff they got going on, so that if you need specific accessibility stuff, you can watch a trailer and go, that game looked really cool, and also, I know confidently I can play it. The Accessibility Summer Showcase, it's next week. Keep an eye open for it. I really hope people tune in and give it a watch. Uh... What about you, Conrad? Where are you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram and hang out with me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Uh, You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda and official Jimquisition merchandise from me at mercenarycreative.com. I've got some cool shit coming in, uh, pride-related, in the next week that's hot. Very hot. Uh, So go check that out. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. (gasps) It is true. I can't deny it. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Support in this and uh, the series that's just too hot for YouTube. Uh, The Jimquisition itself. Um, I also stream... Uh, increasingly so, getting back on there, back in the saddle on that one. Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. Um, we, well, I, I, oh yeah, I've got the wrestling dates now. I've been getting them wrong for weeks. Um, Oops. I thought I had that run of four events in uh, June. It's two events in June, two in July. Hello, everyone. 
I'm Steph Sterling. Um, the current dates are June 10th, Blackpool, Pride of the Ring 2. I'm in the main event defending the women's title. Um, you can go to, and they've got a different address here, tickettailor.com slash events slash PCW. Uh, so that's June 10th. Then June 11th in Manchester, um, Sovereign Pro Wrestling, uh, sovereignprowrestling.com tickets. For that, uh, I will be facing Tony Wright, uh, who's a, another big fan favourite up here in the north. He he answered my uh, open challenge. Um, June to be announced still. Uh, I do have a London date. Um, should have details very soon for that. Uh, July 8th in York, True Grit Wrestling. Uh, you can get deets uh, at True Grit Wrestle. June 9th, Manchester at the Head Bar, um, hosted by Mark Adams, an evening with Commander Sterling. For fuck's sake. Um, that's June 9th. And then August 26th, Leeds, True Grit Wrestling again. And if you can get to Leeds, you do not fucking want to miss that one. We'll have the announcement for that hopefully soonish. Huge announcement. Um, so, yeah. That's all of that. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.